on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgiatos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatos. This always happens, especially now that I only have a show two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have a lot to pack in and I try not to talk super fast. But today we're going to talk about these, all these stories matter so much. We're going to talk about no to trans delusions. There was a good win on that subject. Clay Clark is going to join us via Skype very shortly. He maybe talks faster than I do, but that's okay. We still like him. Uh, government set up the Proud Boys leader, you won't believe this story. Really important, related to J6. Uh, Matt Gates is right about Kevin McCarthy, the, the battle over the speaker's seat, and Trump trials, tyranny that threatens all of us. I'm gonna try to fit all that in. Some of it can't be in quite as much depth as I might like. I wanna start telling you a story about, I called this no to trans delusions. This was a really cool thing. It ties to the point I've made many times. I want to try making it more, which is many times we see things in society and in and, and culture happening, and we want the government to fix it, or we want some other uh, outspoken leader who's really, really good at public speaking, or you just kind of say, why doesn't the legislature fix this? Why doesn't, um, you know, why doesn't somebody else fix this? Instead of, you know, thinking, what can I do myself? So this was an amazing story that uh, came out of the a meeting, a recent meeting over this past weekend of the National Federation for Republican Women. Now stick with me. This is this is really really important uh, development, even though it involves an organization you may not know anything about. Short story: In every state in the United States of America, there are Republican women's clubs. Those Republican women's clubs. They meet, they're, they're just geographic, and we have a whole bunch of them in Texas, but they're, they're in every state. And then above them are the uh, a state level. So we have the Texas Federation of Republican Women. Uh, that's one body of people. And then above that's the National Federation of Republican Women. It is the most organized um, way that Republican women can be active together. Um, I belong to a Republican Women's Club for years. I actually belong to a bunch of them. I've been president of one. I mean, I've been involved in the Republican Women's Clubs but less in recent years as I got more involved with this talk show and public speaking. But the short story is this. The National Federation of Republican Women, as many, many other organizations do, they announced for their, at their annual convention, or for them it's their every other year convention, biennial convention, that they have a slate of officers. And so when the big convention happens and all the Republican women from around the country are gathered, this happened to be in Oklahoma, they have put, to, ahead, put out ahead of time a slate of officers. They're saying, so next year we're picking the leadership for you know, 2024, 2025, and they have all voted 
voted via committee and end up with a slate. So they've got various positions slated, president, vice president, uh, in this case, I'll tell you the other ones, treasurer, bylaw, oh, let's see, a vice president. Um, they have someone who's a treasurer, a secretary, a tre and so they got a bunch of positions. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the NFRW put out their list of people saying, these are our seven to run NFRW, National Federation of Public Women, for the next year. Well, a controversy arose because the um, organization, this massive, I mean, these are thousands and thousands of Republican women all over the country, thousands of women, and they are, this is their kind of, the, the, uh, you know, the leadership of the, the organized Republican women uh, in the country. And the uh, person who was slated to become president next year uh, to take over the slate that they had put together was someone who had, in her time in New Jersey, as the head of the New Jersey, New Jersey Republican Women, been part of the effort to legitimize and normalize transgender membership for this organization, which is designed to be for women. The whole point is this is women's way of being organized in politics. They do many, many great things. They cultivate, and I'm going to leave out what they do. They do great things. So over this, this transgender you know, avalanche that's happened in America in the last couple of years, there have been efforts by certain uh, men who are dressing as women. They, they want to say, I get to choose my gender, even though I'm anatomically male. Everyone looking at me knows I'm male. I identify as a female. I want to be treated like a woman. So they want to join these clubs. And in New Jersey, they had actually allowed this person to join and, and eventually uh, be, be an officer and ultimately actually be nominated for, and I'm pretty sure to win, the Republican Woman of the Year. It's a guy. It doesn't matter what, you know, what label or name he puts on himself. It's a guy who's saying, I want to be a woman. So it went so far as, so that had occurred. Other things occurred in California where they had a man who is dressing like a woman, claiming he's transgender. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know or care what level of surgery and if any, or other treatments they've had. It's a guy pretending to be a woman, a, a transgender, who got very involved in leadership of a Republican club. This was occurring in several places around the country. And so, you know, this, the, but to have the leadership of NFRW next year be headed up by people who accept this transgender uh, delusion agenda, that, and they will just kowtow and submit to it, was really troublesome. So there was an effort within some of the, I think it was people in Minnesota had, um, women in Minnesota had said, you know, this is not the right slate. We should not be giving leadership positions to uh, people who accept, who will not stand up against the transgender agenda, who will not confine the membership of National Federation of Republican Women and all the state clubs, who won't confine those to women. It's the whole point of our existence, is to give women a place to be politically active within the Republican, uh, the National Federation of Republican Women and all of the state and local um, entities. So they wanted to have, they didn't like the slate. They wanted the slate changed. They want not, didn't want to have a woman who'd really been spearheading the effort to acknowledge this man should be get women of the woman of the year in New Jersey, which he did get. Republic women of New, of New Jersey gave him women of the year. And on top of that, there were other leadership positions being given. And so there was a push to say to NFRW, you know what, you need to put a bylaw in that says we are for women, which a bylaw already says that. So they're saying we've got to add to the bylaw and say, and woman means a biological woman from birth. 
or there are women defined by DNA, biological woman from birth. They're trying to say, we're not going to play pretend with the transgender movement and let men hone in and be part of, horn in and be part of this women's thing. So they created this, this organized group within the National Federation of Republican Women, organized a, a slate from the floor. And if you've ever been part of a big organization, you know what you really, what they try to do is they get a slate of officers, they decide ahead of time, and the goal is to announce, here we are at this massive convention, here's our slate, you know, one through seven, here they are, let's, let's vote them all in at once. They try to have no discussion, no controversy, no challenging of it. They want the body at large to say, fine, we'll take your slate. And so it's very rare that challenges from the floor, someone saying, no, we're not going along with this slate. We're not going to have women who will go along with and actually engage in and encourage men who happen to want to identify as women be part of our organization, be leaders, win Woman of the Year. So there was a movement from the floor to put, together, put out a slate of people who are not going to play this transgender delusion game. And I've been aware of it. I actually wrote about it on my, on my actually, my because I'm running for a national committee woman from Texas. I wrote about it on that website, uh, WGforRNC.com. I wrote about it on my own, my talk show website to say, if anyone should be able to draw a line in the sand and say, we are Republican women and we're for women and women are our members and not guys, it should be the Republican women. But what's the most amazing thing, it ties to what I've been talking about, about speaking up and, and choosing your lane and fighting in the lane you have for truth on a whole host of issues. They had the meeting this weekend, and in this meeting at, at Oklahoma, the new slate from the floor won meaning the slate that had been assigned ahead of time that included numerous people who were perfectly fine with a transgender agenda, perfectly fine to submit, didn't want to make waves, didn't want to have a new bylaw that might offend people. There was actually, they talked to a lawyer who was saying they couldn't have a new bylaw that said woman means woman because they might get sued by people because they had previously had clubs that let men in. And so these, the tactics used by leftists to, and, and advocates for transgenderism are just bullying and relentless. And so what I'm celebrating in this first five is this. People spoke up. They said, we are not having the National Federation for Republican Women have advocates for transgenderism, people who would push and tout and celebrate a biological man who happens to want to be a woman and will dress like a woman. We're not going to have those people hold leadership positions in our organization. We're not going to humor this. And this is my point in wrapping up in the first five. There is a tremendous need in, in thousands of arenas in American life on hundreds of issues for the average Joe citizen to speak up against this massive push by leftism in this country to, to try to make us to believe things that are lies, to try to put as, as basis for policies in this country lies or things that are, that are harmful to our future, harmful to the idea of America. People all over the country need to be standing up wherever you are, your church group, your neighborhood community, whatever it is, stand up for truth. We don't have to humor transgenderism and we shouldn't. We don't have to humor climate change because it isn't a real threat. The climate change alarmists can be as, as alarmed as they want, but we can't be changing policy because of the things they say that aren't true. If you missed my show last week, I had Jason Isaac on, a brilliant guy, running through the fallacy, the farce of climate change. Actually, CO2 is good for you. CO2 is a great thing. CO2 causes life on Earth to flourish, and there's no reason we should be worried at all about the CO2 levels in this 
country or anywhere in the world. In fact, we ought to be thankful they're there because they help plants and they help plants and trees grow. He also talked about the beauty of fossil fuels, how we can't be getting rid of them. Anyway, great show last week. But back to my point, really wrapping up the first five, because I believe we have Clay Clark online, um, is this. There is no one better to fight the battle for truth than you and your daily life and whatever conversations you have, whether it's on climate change, border security, central bank, digital currency, the right of people to live in freedom, the, the, and, and the idea that transgenderism is a delusion, it has no connection to reality, and we don't alter our life in this country based on lies. If someone said, I am a flat earther and I want all policies here on out to humor my, humor my flat earth belief, we would say no, no. I mean, you're in, it's a free country. Believe in flat earth if you want. But we're not changing any policies because you believe this delusional lunacy. We have to have that same attitude of just no way on a whole host of issues the left is pushing because we, after all, we on the conservative patriotic side are rooted in truth. We have to fight for truth day by day, person by person. That, my very fine friends, is my first five for today, which is a little bit longer than five, but hey, that always happens. Okay, so we have Clay Clark joining us. He's been on the show numerous times. Uh, Clay Clark is just a, um, a gem of a human being. Um, he, I actually noticed on his Twitter feed, he has for his name, Clay, and then in parentheses in between, Reawakening America, Clark. Clay Clark is the host of Thrive Time Show. He is the founder of the Reawakening America Tours, which are wonderful. I've spoken to, I think, three of them. Um, he's also a former Oklahoma Young uh, Small Business Association Entrepreneur of the Year. Just a, 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 an amazingly energetic guy uh, doing a lot to, to the saving of America. Same uh, motive and agenda I have for my show. So welcome to the show, Clay Clark. Hey, thank you for allowing me to be here. And I'm joined today with my friend Aaron Antis, who runs Oklahoma's uh, largest or one of Oklahoma's largest home building companies. And he actually uh, helps organize a lot of the speakers behind the scenes. And I've had just enough day quilt today to kill a small goat. So I'm here um, and I'm, I'm not going to not be here, but I'm heavily influenced by day quilt because the allergies are getting me today. Well, I'm sorry. And, you know, I will tell you, I, I want to give you, Clay, a chance, or both of you, uh, to talk about the tours first, because I'm going to dive into a bunch of issues. But on the, on the tours you've done, and they're coming up, I will tell you that, you know, you everyone hopes that people just stay at home, but they become alert, they read, they study, they know all the issues, they understand, you know, what's going on in America. But actually, the things that you do in organizing Reawaken America tours, the speakers you get, the issues you bring up, they, they just, and, and the, as I've, I've told you this before when you've been on my show, the whole energy of being at a meeting with thousands of people and enthused speakers, it makes people realize you know, that they're not alone in what they're worried about and, and, they're, and they're seeing happen in front of them. And also brilliant people are fighting and that there's just a way to be, that there's a camaraderie among patriots. So if you would, one of you, run through your upcoming tours, which what I, what I know have a bunch well, of them coming up. I'll, I'll go first here. All I can say is uh, we're going to uh, Miami, Florida, October 13th and 14th, and then to Larry, uh, California, coming up here in December. So uh, again, Miami, Florida, October 13th and 14th, and then to Larry, California, which is just outside of Fresno in December. And uh, you know this, uh, and Aaron, you know this, but, you know, two and a half years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, you know, I, I was running a very successful company, companies. Aaron, you were running successful companies. And yeah. this whole discussion of the lockdowns occurred. Right. And I am somebody who um, – one of the reasons why I don't get invited to a lot of parties and events is I, I don't really care what most people think. I've discovered that most people are wrong about most things most of the time. I'm a big fact guy. I, I like facts. 
And so when I heard that, oh, the lockdowns are happening, um, what I did, Aaron, is I just looked up and I discovered that the models that said 2.2 million people would die from COVID, they're false. The polymerase chain reaction tests could be uh, manipulated to inflate the number of cases. And then COVID is treatable with hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. It was on the NIH website, on the NIH website before yeah. the lockdowns. And so I thought naively, you know what, I'm just going to go meet the governors. I'm going to meet the congressmen. You know, when you're successful in business, you have access to certain people. So I'm going to go yeah. meet them and, and educate them about what's going on. We talked to a ton of them. And I thought for sure they'll, they'll just not do a lockdown, not do a quarantine. We'll be fine. Right. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the lockdown still happened. It did. And so I told my wife, I told you, told a few people, I said, if they do a lockdown, I'm going to sue the mayor of Tulsa and turn my building into a church. And so you said, I'm in. Let's yep. do it. Yep. So and you and did. I, we sued the mayor of Tulsa to keep our city open. Yep. And we turned the building into a church. Yes, we did. And so uh, at some point, Sean Foyt came for a praise and worship event. Mm -hmm. At some point, there were, you know, 500 people, 1,000 people at some of the gatherings. At some point, uh, we had a few gatherings where it was just you and I. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we had, we had some rallies that were very spirited, Debbie, that had Aaron and I. It was Aaron and I and I and Aaron, and we were really getting into it. And uh, um, But then over time, it grew and grew and grew. And so now the Reawaken America tour is, uh, uh, you know, we've had thousands of people that come to these events, millions that watch online. And what's uh, blown my mind mind is that Trump's entire inner circle is essentially now on the Reawaken America tour. Oh, yeah. So Trump's lead attorney, Alina Haba, uh, she's there. Um, you have Cash Patel. You have General Flynn, Mike Lindell, uh, Peter Navarro. Uh, and they're all there. And, and they're all there, I think, because they've discovered that I've come up with an incredible way to lose money. I let people name their price. So, they, so I think they, they, they know my motive is pure. I mean, yeah. you can you can name your price so everybody can go. So I think that's one thing that, that galvanizes people. I think the second is virtually everybody on the tour is being sued or subpoenaed or uh, persecuted or prosecuted for their, their faith and their country. Yeah. 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 I'm going to ask you, so people who they want to find these tickets and be able to go to these, what's the way, where do they go? It's a time to free America.com time to free America.com. And what happens is you can name your price, but you have to request a ticket because there's people that come to these events, not our events, but other events. They try to ruin the event. They're kind of agitators or whatever you want to call them. And so we have to vet everybody. So you have to bring an ID that matches the, 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 the credit card you use to purchase the tickets in order to get in. And that's why we've had zero security issues at our events. But you can name your price. I mean, Aaron, we have people that pay $5 a ticket. And we do. And there's 70 speakers over two days. Now, I would love it if you would pay, you know, 250 bucks for a ticket or 100 bucks for a ticket or whatever you want to pay. Um, but that's how we do these events. And uh, our whole motive, and I'll, and I'll let you I'll let, I'll get your thoughts on this, Aaron, too. But um, my, my motive is to lead people to Christ. So I want to share the truth about election fraud, medical fraud, religious fraud. But I want to lead people to God. And that's why we have baptisms at the events. That's why we have praise and worship at the events. Um, and that's why we have the people that are close to President Trump. We want to save our country. But we put God first, then country. And that's kind of my, my, my mindset there. Yeah. Absolutely true. Aaron, were you going to ask something? I couldn't tell you were I was just going to say, I mean, you know, we, Donald Trump coined the phrase, make America great 
again, right? You know, but what made America great in the first place was we are the nation who chose God, right? You know, and Israel was a nation who was God's chosen people. America is a nation of people who chose God. And that is what made us great. And we want to get back to, you know, this nation was born out of that. We need this nation to be born again out of that same mindset of getting back to God. And so that's what this has been about. You know, it's about saving our nation, but we know our nation will only be saved through the salvation that comes through Christ alone. So. Amen to that. I did want to ask you, speaking of, of, of other bunch of versions, I know I don't know if you saw them, I sent a bunch of links. Uh, your Twitter handle is very fun to read, and so I got lost in doing that this morning, but you have a lot of great clips up. I also noticed, I think I saw one of your uh, text messages, you have the, the uh, pastor from Canada who was persecuted over Kimia's church open during COVID, uh, and, and he, he's from Poland, I think. I, I'm sorry, losing it. What's his name again? A uh, Pastor Archer Pulowski from Canada, uh, he'll be joining us at the Reawaken Tour in Miami. Um, he's a very good friend of mine. I talk to him all he's the time. Uh, uh, Malik Obama, President Obama's older half-brother, is coming to Miami to expose <laughs> his brother That's for being a fake and a fraud. He'll be there. Um, we have uh, Jimmy Levy, the hip-hop uh, Christian performing artist. He'll be there. Uh, Jim Brewer will be there. Uh, Eric Trump, Laura Trump, uh, Mike Lindell. Cash Patel, pretty much everybody who's in it to win it to save the country is going to be there. And uh, um, what happens is the media can't figure it out. No. Because no, I'm not money motivated, which I think um, blows the minds of people that look into it. Because the media, they look into it and they go, we're going we're gonna to research Clay Clark. We're going to expose him. And so, Debbie, this actually happened at one of the events. And Aaron saw this happen. We had a reporter that came to the event and he said, hey. I would like to be like an embedded reporter to see, you know, what it's like behind the scenes. I said, sure. So he meets me in my white van. He drives to the event with me and my wife and our kids in the white van. <laughs> and he's like, how many miles are on this van? I said at the time, about 130,000 miles. He says, so where are you staying? I said at a Holiday Inn. He goes, oh, okay, okay. So you're doing the whole humble thing. And I'm going, what? <laughs> and then he says, so uh, do you mind if I ask people what they paid for a ticket? I said, no problem. So he runs around asking people. Hey, I'm with the yada yada news. I want to ask you, what'd you pay for your ticket? People are saying 50 bucks, 70 bucks, 80 bucks, 500 bucks, five bucks, seven bucks, two dollars, 500 bucks, seven dollars. <laughs> and he comes back to me and he says, I've done the math and I've asked hundreds of people and I've determined the average person's paying like 50 bucks. And I got a hold of your, your vendors. And I've discovered that you had to pay your sound company, your lighting company, your video company, X amount of dollars. So you are losing money. So there's got to be a payoff that you're at well, the, the end. The funny a... part is you told him that beforehand. Right. And then he's like, aha, I aha. got you. You're losing money. And right. Yeah, that's what I told you. So now, so now the narrative, if you look up the Reawakened Tour, this is incredible. Wikipedia has devoted an entire massive page to it. But now the narrative the mainstream media is saying is that Clay Clark, quote unquote, has bitten off more than he can chew because these events are not financially viable. As I've said from the very beginning, I'm on a mission from God to reawaken America. So I'm not on a mission from man to make money here. So you can name your price. That's why I do these events. Um, and then they say, well, you know, well, the, the tickets range from $500 and, and lower. Well, like any event, we have VIP tickets. And if somebody can pay $500 for a VIP ticket to sit up close and meet all the speakers, God bless them. Yeah. But the, the average person is paying, you know, $70 for a ticket. So all I can say is 
we are out there trying to save our country and the media can't figure it out because the RNC typically, and you know this, Debbie, because you're very involved in politics, um, the RNC typically has big pharma sponsors. And so typically, you know, they'll say um, our our next speaker is here to expose the corruption of big pharma and he's sponsored today by Pfizer. And and so it becomes it's so insincere. Oh, because, we've got these phone calls too, right? though, of these big sponsors wanting to, you know, take over and sponsor. Well, I'm gonna sponsor you, but there's just the one thing I just want to be clear about is I'd like to have control over. Debbie, who, I got offered a, and what they say. I got offered a million dollars per event. They said we'll pay a million dollars per event if we can get involved with you guys. I said, what, what do you want to do? They said we have certain speakers we want to introduce, and I'm not going to mention names because I don't want to get sued today. But it's like these household rhino, these household names of the rhino establishment. They want to come and join the tour so that they can get the credibility of being, you know, on the tour. But they want to come in and push the shots. Right. You know, I was going to mention uh, on your first of all, I do think many people, they are so jaded. They can't imagine that someone is just in this mission, what you're doing, putting on the tours, your speakers, the people who are activists. They can't believe people are in it for pure motives, like saving America, speaking up for truth, defending America against foreign enemies, foreign and domestic. They, they don't think it's even possible. And on the specific things, I, I talk my little, I don't know if you're on the first segment hearing it, but you know, there's this massive transgender identity movement. There are also movements of all kinds. And, it, and on the way here, I was thinking, I mean, I thought about it many times, but thinking again how you can't begin to buy into the transgender agenda if you have any rooting in the Judeo-Christian scriptures. I mean, everyone who understands identity comes from God, creation from, comes from God, just, and I mean, it's just, it is a non-starter. And the same is true, well, really, of people who uh, embrace radical climate change, that the earth was created, whatever they think it was created by, but they ha- it is fragile and, the, and human beings can, you know, by... I don't know, driving too many cars or something else, destroy God's creation. There's a there is a link between faith and and clarity, not not just a go to church on Sunday and remember to say your prayers faith, but like your actual sense of your worldview, your sense of what life is, uh, what where rights come from, which is what the founders were talking about. Your rights come from God. I always throw in because you were born. The idea of a life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Those that kind of thinking that rooted America. When you hold those views, you just don't get batted around by the latest hysteria about COVID's going to kill you or climate change is going to kill you or transgender is real. It just it, it doesn't resonate with you. It doesn't, and I love that you that you do in your uh, in your tours encourage people to turn back to God to get some sense of place, purpose, identity, meaning, what life is all about. I, and I think those who are so rooted don't get pushed around so easily. Your reaction. Well, I- I just want to say this, um, Baphomet, if you look at Baphomet, okay, so Baphomet is the transgendered uh, symbol of Satan. So Aleister Crowley, who was a leading Satanist, okay, he was big into Baphomet. Look it up, folks, B-A-P-H-O-M-E-T, I believe, Baphomet. Um, and so Baphomet is the transgendered symbol of Satan. So whenever you see these satanic uh, temple signs uh, or, or symbols or statues, they always feature Baphomet. And because Baphomet is the transgendered sign of Satan, okay? Satan is the author of confusion. So the idea of transgenderism is satanic, okay? So that's the idea. And God is, uh, uh, God, God created man and woman. That's how he did it. And Satan is always trying to do the perverse or the opposite of what God intended. God wanted us to be fruitful and multiply. It's laid out in the book of Genesis. 
Satan wants us to be uh, to not multiply, to actually reduce the Earth's population. And these people are big fans of depopulation. That's what they're trying to do. And Yuval Noah Harari, that's the top advisor for Klaus Schwab. He sold 45 million copies of his books. This guy is saying COVID is all about putting surveillance under the skin. This is Yuval Noah Harari. He says it's all about putting surveillance under the skin. He says COVID, he says humans are hackable animals. You've all know Harari. He's trying to ban the eating of meat. He's trying to uh, push the pro-LGBTQ agenda. And all I can say is that we have to, to, to choose right now Team Jesus or Team Satan. And that's the, that's the, the two teams, team, team Jesus or Team Satan. And I hope everybody out there wake up, wakes up and decides to choose, to, to choose Team Jesus. Okay, and Clay and Aaron, one other thing. I had a bunch of clips I pulled out for my happy uh, producer Emilio, but um, I don't, we won't get a chance to all of them. But you mentioned Yuval Harari quite often, and I've talked yeah. on my show a lot also. But there's a clip you had, I think it came from your Twitter feed, and it really, to help people sense what Yuval Harari is all about, he's not just about you know uh, pushing vaccines because that is the best help for, I mean, he, he's not about health at all. It really is a depopulation agenda, and it's also an agenda. And even worse and more evil to um, to take hold of or, or rob us from what humanhood and identity is. There's a quick clip. If you have that, this moment, Emilio, can, yeah, you got it, Yuval Harari. Quick clip from him, and then we can talk about it. Contrary to what some conspiracy theories assume, you don't really need to implant chips in people's brains in order to control them or to manipulate them. For thousands of years, Prophets and poets and politicians have used language and storytelling in order to manipulate and to control people and to reshape society. Now AI is likely to be able to do it. And once it can do that, it doesn't need to send killer robots to shoot us. It can get humans to pull the trigger if it really needs to. AI has just hacked the operating system of human civilization. What we are potentially talking about is nothing less than the end of human history. Okay, the reason I want to play that is, and Clay, I know you know this, Aaron, I know you know this, but I think that most people think all this talk about they really want to, you know, transhumanism, they really want to change identity. They think it is just kind of a, yeah, there's always been a bunch of lunatics, you know, crazy people on the fringes. This guy is the top advisor to the essentially globalist movement, to the World Economic Forum. Uh, and so this is someone whose voice should be and were to be listened to to really appreciate the, the level of evil that is part of their thinking, their assumption, what they're allowed to do to human beings, what they plan to do. I'd love to have you just riff on Yuval. Okay, uh, let me connect the dots here, rapid fire. Here we go. So Yuval Noah Harari, okay, he's written about in the book of Revelation, chapter 16. It says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Okay, so Yuval Noah Harari is called the prophet. He's praised by Obama, Zuckerberg, Gates, MIT, Stanford, Harvard. And when the Euphrates River dried up, that's when you saw China and Russia team up militarily and financially. So the Bible was correct there. That's when you saw the kings of the East team up. That's also when you saw the false prophet show up. And you've all know Harari was introduced to the world by Barack Obama when he was working on the Gilgamesh project. So you've all know Harari was working on the Gilgamesh project, which is a project to offer humans eternal life and to merge humans with animals, AKA what they call chimera. I cannot make this up. And so when the Euphrates River dried up, 
They have found the artifacts of Gilgamesh. And most theologians believe that when, this is crazy, when Nimrod tried to build the Tower of Babel and God shut him down and confused the languages, Nimrod changed his name to Gilgamesh. That's a real thing. He changed his name to Gilgamesh and went to Ur, or Iraq. And so the, the Freemasons, their logo features a G, which stands for Gilgamesh. So what am I saying? I'm saying that Yuval Noah Harari was written about and prophesied about in Revelation chapter 16, verse 13. And he is here right now. The Euphrates River dried up. The false prophet showed up. And this guy is not kidding. He is not joking. He is trying to ban the eating of meat. He is trying to uh, change the laws, change the times. He's actually advocating right now to rebuild the third temple. That's a whole separate show, but he's advocating for rebuilding the temple. Um, this guy, you've all know Harari, he's openly gay. He writes and reads in Hebrew. He rejects the gods of his father, the God of his fathers. And this guy is a, a Bible scholar at the, at the Hebrew university there in Jerusalem. I mean, this guy is, I'm telling well, you. And he's standing there with the Tower of Babel behind him in the clip that you played, right. actually, Debbie. So he's very much like just putting it out there. And what you're seeing, you know, you, I was watching your clip earlier before we jumped on here, and I was seeing, you know, you were talking about the LGBTQ movement. And ultimately, what that is, is it, don't forget that these these humans that we're talking about, like you've all, is actually just a mouthpiece of somebody else whose name is Lucifer. And that's really what's going on here. This is a battle between Christ and the Antichrist spirit in our world that's been playing out for thousands of years, but we're seeing it just come into the open right now. And so, you know, Lucifer wants to be like God. True. And so he, he, he tried to exalt his throne above the stars, according to scripture, and he got thrown out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw him fall from heaven like light lightning when this happened and here he is this lgbtq this transgender stuff is you know he heard how god said that he can do the things that are impossible but with god it's possible and that's what satan's trying to do he's calling the impossible that you could be born a man and then transgender into a woman he's trying to make the impossible be possible because he's a perverter of the things that god does and so he's just this whole ai concept is also a perversion of the all-knowing you know the omnipresence the omniscience of god it's just a perversion Hammering home what Aaron just said, Yuval's also saying that he wants to rewrite the Bible using AI. This right. is Yuval Noah Harari. He yeah. wants to rewrite the Bible using AI. I mean, this guy here, he's offering people eternal life through transhumanism. This guy is the top advisor. He sold 45 million copies of his books, and he's praised by Obama, Zuckerberg, Gates, MIT, Stanford, Harvard, and I'm saying this with as much passion as I can possibly muster despite having copious amounts of DayQuil because your listeners out there that are listening to the show in Texas and all over this great country, I think a lot of people have bought into the belief that Satan doesn't exist. Meanwhile, these people are dedicated Luciferians. Yeah, and if you don't believe he exists, then you're not going to resist him. You don't believe it, he exists, you will not resist. And that's where need to, people need to be. They need to be realizing there are two sides to this and they need to turn their life over to Christ to be saved in this whole battle. I want to jump in and point out for both of you that I think among the things, I mean, I, is Yuval Harari and, and my, I think you both know, my husband's 
business partners in Israeli citizen. He spent many time, we, we have deep and, and wonderful connections in Israel with the Jewish community and um, love that country. And so we're more aware of what Yuval Harari is doing over there. But it's one thing to have someone like him who is evil and, and everything you're saying about him is true. But this, him advising World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab really having a, a meeting of the minds with many top leftists in America. It isn't like everyone in America is looking at Klaus Schwab and Yuval Harari and say, these people are terrible. These people are, they are leading among, they're among the leaders of the globalist movement. And many leaders in Washington, elected people, are friendly to them, sympathetic to them. They might, they may not echo all the points in the detail that we're talking about today, but they're enabling them. There, there's not this righteous rejection of everything they're seeing that you would expect from a country that is, is rooted, in, as you said, in the Judeo-Christian scriptures, rooted in God. You don't see that. And so it, just, it is another call, my point much earlier, it's another call for people to be more outspoken, people to be active, and to call oh. out our own government that would be working hand in hand with anyone connected with World Economic Forum. It just seems like, it seems like in times past, more people in America would have known, they would have been able to identify this evil and say, we don't want anything to do with it. So my last thing, I know you got to rock and roll, but lastly, I'd love to have you react to that. Well, I'll just say this. I had a photography company back in the day. I won't mention the name of it, but uh, um, Aaron, uh, people would go to our photography company mm -hmm. and they would want to book us to their wedding, right? Oh, yeah. And then about one out of every hundred people that would reach out to us were gay, yeah. gay couples. They said, could you take photos of, uh, you know, Steve and Carl for mm -hmm. their wedding? You know? Yeah. And I would just say, hey, you know what? We're a Christian-owned company, and uh, so you could use this company instead. Yeah. But I don't want to have my photo my photographers take photos of it. Right. I don't want to have them edit it. Yeah. I don't want to. I just don't want to be a part of it. No. Yeah. And um, very, very few people within the photography company agreed with me about this. Yeah. They would say, no, no, no. You, we, we need to to do work with them. And I'm going. I'm the owner of the company. I'm saying no. I'm the founder. I'm not going to do it. And they're like, no, no, no. But we, 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 Christ is love. Mm. And I go, what? And they go, Christ is love. So this is, this is how Christianity is being taught by a lot of churches today. So step one is you must accept everything because Christ is love. It's being, and I don't agree with this. I'm just telling you, Jesus flipped the tables of the money changers. I mean, he chased people out within the realm of reason in, in the Jesus mindset. He actually made a whip and, and, and flipped the tables of the money changers. Okay. But there's the, the idea is being taught that we should, as Christians, accept. So step one is you accept. Then step two is we need to actually celebrate. So now we need to, as Christians, celebrate the behavior. So Andy Stanley is hosting a LGBTQ uh, affirmation conference. So Andy Stanley, if you don't know, he's one of the largest megachurch pastors in America, and he is actually hosting LGBTQ affirmation conference. So not just accepting, but celebrating. All right. So TD Jakes brings up Tony Fauci into his church to push the shots. Okay. Rick Warren is pushing the World Economic Forum. Joel Osteen pushed the lockdowns. I mean, I can go on and on. So that's that's an example. Okay. Uh, Craig Rochelle uh, pushed the idea of quarantining with his uh, uh, life church. Okay. So that's, that's, so step one is you're supposed to accept, then you're supposed to celebrate. Then step three is they demonize 
anybody who stands up for the principles and they actually mute their mic. They, they, they cancel them. They, they cancel them. And that's where we're headed to right now is we're in a place now as a culture where people that actually believe in the literal word of God known as the Bible are being demonized and canceled. And that's what's happening. Absolutely true. That's a great place to close out. First of all, I want to thank both of you because I'm just, the tours that you do, I love the, um, I love the breadth of the people that you have and the scope of issues, the connections to uh, not just the Trump administration, but to people in power in this country. Uh, They're hearing from your audience, you're hearing from their fellow speakers, a broad, not just a broad range of issues, but many of them get down to the heart of, you know, what America is and how America is to be saved and that America cannot be saved in some, you know, policy, list of policies we fix. We fix it. It's got to be brought back to a nation of faith and of clarity about faith and trust in God and a notion that our, our, the very, very, identity as a nation is rooted in the the teaching of the scriptures, the idea that we are made in in God's image and likeness, that God is the lawmaker, he is a creator, he is the source of life. Um, And and if we don't get there, we're just muddling through confusing policies and end up fighting. So I'm I'm really impressed that you get to the depth of issues you do, uh, as well as get to the core uh, discussion of, of faith in America. So, and I agree with you on churches. It is an amazing thing to listen to how much uh, is taught in churches that doesn't really have any scripture rooting. A lot of people are trying to talk about that too in America. So, Clay and Aaron, thank you so much for taking time today. Great to see you. Thank you. And next time I'll be less influenced by Dayquil. Thank you so much. (laughs) Take care. Okay, folks. So I do urge you if next time the, when their conference or reawaken tour was in Dallas, I spoke here and I spoke in, um, Mannheim, Pennsylvania, and then the one at Trump Doral. It's just an amazing array of, of, of average citizens and uh, great speakers and prominent people. It's just, it's just a, uh, it's a wonderful place to go and um, really get a, you can get quite education on a variety of issues uh, in a short amount of time. So I, I just, I in, encourage you to look at those and I really am impressed and grateful that they spend so much time making these tours great. Okay. I have three topics I'm going to try to hit. Yes, I am in this limited amount of time. Um, but first, I want to just very, very briefly touch on a story that I'm sure will be developing, but I called it Government Set Up the Proud Boys Leader. I want to just tell you, you know, because the media pushes uh, labeling out there and they really propagandize America, the, the anti-American left and the media that follow suit and, and say whatever they're, they're told to say, um, by the leftists in this country, um, you, they've made proud boys into a scary word. Now, I'm, I don't really know a proud boy. I don't, I mean, I don't know that group. I didn't really know anything about them. But when the January 6th protest happened over the stolen election of 2020, and many people in Washington to support the president that they, uh, I believe rightfully, and certainly they firmly believed had won the election, um, right away, that discussion was changed from a protest in Washington um, over the stolen election into this is an insurrection with the mission of taking down uh, the, the argument, the lie was that this was an insurrection orchestrated by Donald Trump. He's trying to host an insurrection and trying to you know, overthrow the government, which is, was a complete lie, always was, and repeated and repeated and repeated. 
and, and mainly by left-wing media sources and, and left-wing politicians, but some on the right or more on the unit party uh, also, you know, we, we had um, uh, Liz Cheney getting involved in this too, but I'm getting at the point, the very perception of what happened on January 6th was something that the leftists who worked to cultivate uh, propaganda, to convince people to see things a certain way, to spread, uh, to propagandize society, to almost like j just blind us to truth, got down the mission of calling this a, an insurrection, and that gave them justification for the unbelievable violence at the hands of the FBI and the e extensive prosecutions by Department of Justice of everyone, even remotely connected to January 6th. But leading to a particular, I mentioned Proud Boys a minute ago, there's now a, sto a story out, and this is backed by the lawyers who represented this one person, I want to just tell you this to recognize, to help you recognize the depth to which our government will go to shut down discussion of whether or not the 2020 election was stolen, to shut down discussion about whether or not what happened on January 6th was a legitimate protest, which I believe it was, and, and to shut down your uh, perception and awareness of how much the government was behind the scenes manipulating things. FBI agents, now it appears in the dozens, or within the crowd of protesters. Uh, Ray Epps finally got charged um, because so many people, Ray Epps being apparently an FBI agent, and appeared to be that, or an agent of some uh, aspect of the federal government, who was the one person you they had with a microphone yelling, encouraging people the day before and on January 6th, we're gonna, gonna get inside, we're gonna get inside the Capitol. Never charged all these people who didn't even get close to the Capitol, who stood on the Capitol grounds outside praying, being prosecuted and thrown in jail. People who entered the Capitol peacefully, stayed for five or 10 minutes and left, didn't break anything, didn't hit anybody, didn't hurt anybody, off to prison they go. And yet Ray Epps was one who was encouraging people to enter and occur, I mean, yelling on a microphone. I mean, he was clearly trying to lead the crowd. And it became obvious to many people he was an FBI or some other federal agent. Finally, the FBI had to charge him because, you know, it became so obvious. People were saying, well, how come all these other people ended up going to jail and, and being prosecuted? And this guy, who was a ringleader, got nothing happened to him. So they charged him with one misdemeanor, let him plead guilty the very next day. And long gone, they're trying to satisfy the people. But the story I want to get to, which I think is just really, really important to understand. So there was um, prosecution, as you know, of a group called Proud Boys, and the allegation that they actually engaged in a... Um, a, uh, they weren't charged with insurrection, but they were charged with kind of a, a, a seditious conspiracy. And the main guy I want to talk about today uh, is Proud Boys chairman, Enrique Tario. Enrique Tario, he was a Proud Boys chairman, and he wasn't even in Washington that day. But he and others in Proud Boys were charged with seditious conspiracy. And what is so an amazing revelation, you must understand how consequential this is. There was a document that was used in his prosecution in proving to the jury in Washington that he wasn't just someone who was upset about the 2020 election or suspected fraud. He wasn't just an innocent American, but in fact, he was engaged in, as the leader of the Proud Boys, engaged in what the charge was, seditious conspiracy, and engaged in ultimately the effort to take down, to, to be part of an insurrection. That was the argument against him. So you got a jury sitting there listening, and you have Enrique Tario, and so he's a, you know, he's a proud boy, which he would say is an innocent organization. And what came into evidence in his trial was a document called 1776 Returns. 
1776 returns. And I printed it out and I have it available on our website. But the gist of it is that it is a document that lays out a, a, a battle plan. Well, yeah, 1776 returns. And it has maps of the capital and overall goal, fill the buildings with patriots, um, you know, communicate our demands, maintain control um, over a select few crucial buildings. It's got maps of the buildings in Washington. It has a listing of manpower needs and preparations starting in January, an executive day overview. It looks like a planning document for an insurrection. This was used in the prosecution of Enrique Terrio because it was on his telegram uh, page. Well, what's come out recently through his lawyers is that Enrique Terrio didn't write this. And it was it appears to have been written, according to Enrique Terrio's lawyer, was written by a federal agent written by a federal agent. And it was something that the federal agent then approached uh, a, a woman who was a love interest, a uh, woman apparently Enrique Terrio had been dating. Um, and so this, this government asset, who apparently actually wrote the document, approached the girlfriend, I guess she's an ex-girlfriend now, um, approached her to say, look at this, this document. This is 1776 returns. This is about how we're going to take down the, you know, the, the Biden administration, whatever she was said to her. Gave the document to her. She in turn, and he told her, this a federal agent told this girlfriend, send it to Enrique Terrio on his telegram page. So she does. So the document shows up on his on his telegram feed, looks as though, and it was used against him in his trial, looks as though it was something that he had either written or participated in or received as part of his alleged seditious conspiracy. And 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 it came apparently from the FBI. That's what the lawyer for Enrico Terrio, Enrique Terrio is saying. It had a document for occupation of eight key buildings. It used language of the spirit of 1776 and the 1917 storming of the Winter Palace by the Bolsheviks and the Russian Revolution. But the point is, the document wasn't his. He didn't write it. He didn't, wasn't, didn't participate in creating as a nine-page paper. And the end of the story was, this lawyer is now, and so by the way, Enrique Terrio is convicted, and I believe I like got 22 years in prison or something like that. But there has been now a, a, um, a whistleblower who's come forward um, saying this, and this uh, by the name of Samuel Arms, uh, who's saying he was responsible, or that this person's claiming he was responsible for writing the 1776 files. Arn, his name is A-R-M-E-S, Arms, Samuel Arms. He was a former State Department and Special Operations official who was also interviewed by the January 6th um, committee. And he said in college he'd been groomed to join the CIA and the FBI. This wargaming thing is something he had done and written. But the point of the story is this document was fed into the telegram feed of Enrique Tario and ends up being one of the main reasons that he was convicted and sent off to federal prison for whatever it is, like 27 years or something. Now, I don't know what the Justice Department's answer is going to be, but the idea, if they actually show this is true, that this was a, this document used to convict him was actually written by the federal government, fed to him through a former girlfriend um, who testified to that, by the way. She testified that that's what she was, that someone approached her, asked her to take a hold of it, of the document, asked her to transmit it to her then, or her former boyfriend who ends up getting convicted. And I'm, I just, you know, these kind of things, I tell you these stories, and I know that for many people uh, who've been in the CIA, the FBI, they've been federal officials, they say that our government wouldn't do that. 
Our government wouldn't do that. But at this point, it appears they did. It appears they actually planted a document that would be incriminating in the Telegram feed of Enrique, uh, this guy who's now been convicted uh, and is in federal prison, appears to have been written by the government, fed to him, and then used against him. This is your FBI at work trying to delegitimize protests against America, uh, delegitimize anyone who supports President Trump, and uh, eventually bring about the what seems like extremely unjust conviction of someone for seditious conspiracy. We've been following this story. I will tell you any, anything I learn, any follow-ups. Another quick story, Matt Gates is right on McCarthy. So Congressman Matt Gates has actually filed a motion in, um, in Washington on the floor of the House, uh, and they call it a motion to vacate the chair. So Kevin McCarthy is, is a Speaker of the House, and you recall when he became, when, when the Republicans got the majority, there was a long-standing battle um, whether or not Kevin McCarthy could get the Speaker's chairmanship, and there was a negotiation basically saying that we want certain concessions, and there were a handful of Republicans enough of them to prevent McCarthy from winning the, the speaker's, um, speaker's seat until he conceded to these particular demands. And part of the deal was, if you break this, if you don't stick with these things, this is the only way conservatives in Washington ever, ever get a hold of power ever have because so many Republicans go to Washington and they are the surrender squad upon arrival. So many Democrats go all the time dedicated to the mission, take down America, take away freedom, use tyranny, destroy rights, destroy freedoms. Democrats are forever on their agenda to take down the, the basic concept of America rooted in, in constitutional freedom, rooted in our rooted in the God-given right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. The left doesn't believe in any of this. We are watching this Marxist movement has taken over the left. That's what they always do. And Republicans show up in Washington too often to join the surrender squad. So Matt Gates is saying, hey, we went through that big effort. We got Kevin McCarthy to concede certain things. He's broken the promises he made that got him to the uh, Speaker of the House seat. And so he, Gates, is moving to have Kevin McCarthy uh, removed as Speaker. He doesn't have enough votes to do that yet. And he's pointing out that, and there's a clip we're going to play in just a second, but the gist of what Matt Gates is saying is this. We worked really hard. We got deals. We got Kevin McCarthy to, to agree to be speaker. He'd do certain things. And on the side, Kevin McCarthy is cutting deals with Biden, cutting deals with Democrats, and working himself into a position where he's going to be speaker, mostly because the Democrats still support him and the Republicans aren't strong enough to stand up and insist he stick with the deal that they made when they made him speaker. So quick clips we have. These are the, the one, do uh, you have these? I can't see it. Yeah, we got it. Okay, let's quick play this clip. This is, they grabbed Matt Gates outside of here, out, outside the, um, the house and got this quick clip. Mr. Gates, how many Republicans do you have with you in this effort? Well, I have enough Republicans where at this point next week, one of two things will happen. Kevin McCarthy won't be the Speaker of the House, or he'll be the Speaker of the House working at the pleasure of the Democrats. And I'm at peace with either result, because the American people deserve to know who governs them. I believe the basis to mo the, for the motion to vacate is Kevin McCarthy's repeated breach of the agreement that he made in January. Just look at the breach that we've seen over the last few weeks. He blew past the pre-COVID spending top line he agreed to. He put a bill on the floor to fund the entire government without 72 hours to review it in violation of the agreement he made. He said that there would never be a bill on the floor of the House that spent more than $100 million without the opportunity for amendment. And yet, 
the last continuing resolution violated that agreement as well. He also agreed to a rule that he would never use the Democrats to roll a majority of the majority. But in the last vote on Ukraine, we had a majority of the majority vote no, and yet that was not something that the leadership honored. They used Democrat votes to send more money to Ukraine. And maybe the last straw for me was learning that Kevin McCarthy had created a secret side deal with President Biden on Ukraine while we were in the middle of this, this government funding battle. A, a secret side deal on Ukraine is not what the American people want to see out of a Republican speech. Okay, so, you know, Matt Gates is basically saying, this is why I call this caption, my uh, caption this segment, he's right on McCarthy. And I'm just gonna say this because I want to hit one other quick story and still have time to white matters to you. This is an example of how when people want the sanity of a normal process of, of funding a budget, the normal process that used to work, it required budget for each particular uh, area of, of law, each particular department, it required negotiation on each one. We bundle everything together. No one has a chance to look at it. And this is how our government is lost. This is how responsible government is lost. This is how this is among the many reasons that the, uh, Repu the conservative Republicans held back and said to Kevin McCarthy, if you want to be speaker, you've got to be more responsive. We have to stop this stuff. And we always get to this point where we can't shut the government down. Well, actually, yes, we could, and it wouldn't even be a bad thing. But we can't shut the government down, so we're going to make deals, and we're going to make side deals, because the conservatives don't ever hang together and say, no, we're really saying no. No, we're not going to play this game anymore. And so you have side deals, allegedly. That, that reporter was starting to yell in at the end um, that... Um, Kevin McCarthy denied that he made a side deal with Biden. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I mean, I would, my imagination, or how I imagine, sure, he would make a side deal with Biden about funding Ukraine. But the larger point is, unless people stand up like Matt Gates is doing and saying, we cut a deal with you, Speaker McCarthy, and you agreed to this and you're not doing it, what is the point of having gone through all of that if you don't stand up at this point? Even some of the conservatives in the House are saying, well, this isn't the right time to do this, and we should wait till later. We got some concessions, pretty good, not all, but enough. Even Mark Levin on Fox is saying, well, you know, we got enough, and tries to attribute, instead of arguing the merits either way of whether or not Matt Gates is right, you know, Mark Levin is taking cheap shots at, at, at Matt Gates talking about this is probably personal. It's, I mean, I don't know, Matt Gates. He's standing for what the people, the Republican majority in this country want. They want a, restore, a, return, a return, a restoration, a responsible government. They want responsible spending. They want the, the members of the House to be able to read the bills and see them and decide on them. They don't want endless continuing resolutions. You want responsible budgets. I mean, we're, we're in a lunatic era of how much our big our deficit is every year and our, and our debt is, and we just keep playing the game. And, and so Matt Gates is right. I don't know if he'll succeed in, in accomplishing anything, but uh, he's right. Okay, we are about out of time, and I do want to, uh, I'm going to tell you more about this story, uh, I guess, next time I get a chance. But um, uh, Donald Trump is now, again, in trial um, in New York, and he's dealing with uh, a essentially a civil case over fraud. I am out of time to explain it, except to say this is lawless and preposterous and outrageous, and if in this case, this judge gets away with essentially taking away, forcing Donald Trump to, to turn over his assets in New York, which are, of course, in the millions and maybe billions, with 
No one complained. There have been all of the, uh, he, the claim is he overvalued certain assets. Who knows? I don't know. But there's no one, in, uh, there's no plaintiff in this. No one saying he reneged on a loan because he didn't. He paid the loans back. He, he did not, you know, he didn't commit fraud. No one's claiming he committed fraud to them. No one's complaining. They're looking back at business deals over years and saying, well, he overvalued this asset, overvalued this. If this kind of civil action, and they, they used a, a really arcane um, old New York law to allow this, this process to even take, for, take um, you know, to get started, but uh, it was a September 26th, I think it was, ruling uh, that and he'd committed fraud in the valuation of certain assets, and now that the damages phase, and they're basically saying, Donald Trump are going to destroy you. If they're allowed to do this, no one's assets are safe. You have to understand the rule of law they are now establishing, the process they're now establishing, the what they are doing to him, if it stands, if no court just, and there's, if you, by the way, if you get a look at the judge in this case, he, he looks like Bernie Sanders' long lost cousin, and he's gleeful, gleeful as a small child might be, because he got, you know, a candy bar. He's gleeful at the idea of stripping assets out of Donald Trump's ownership. This is this is so far off the reservation, so far past the rule of law, and I don't know how it'll come out in New York. It's ongoing right now, and hopefully there will be appeals and some rationality. Rule of law will be restored. I'll tell you more about the case another day when I can, but I can't do it today. But this is a real. This isn't just Donald Trump who's being uh, victimized by a court system that is using, uh, you know, no harm, no damage, but we're taking away everything you own. You know, I'm just telling you, if this stands, you could be next. Okay, I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show um, mere hour ago, talking about no to the trans delusion, a win. National Federation of Republican Women rebelled against the trans imposition. Incumbent NFRW leaders acquiesced and in some cases supported men as women members. Grassroots NFRW members proposed an alternative set of new NFRW leaders NFR NFRW convention results, major shakeup and replacement of incumbent leaders. This is a signal of growing resolve among Americans across many issues. Attempt to unseat incumbent leaders en masse is rare. Early expectations were that uprising against a trans ideology would fail, but NFRW rank and file members have had enough. They said no. If America is to be saved, it'll be because ordinary patriots rise up and say no to everything the left is doing. No compromise, no middle ground, just no. NFRW ladies have set an encouraging an example. example. And we talk about government set up Proud Boys leader. New evidence, feds wrote a right-wing manifesto, then planted it as evidence against certain uh, J6 defendants to make them appear extreme and dangerous, leading to convictions and sentencing severity. Fez did not disclose this to lawyers, the J6 defendants, or to the judges hearing the cases. This Fed behavior should shock the conscience of every decent American. It's inexcusably dishonest, unjust, unmerciful, outrageous. J6 defendants affected by the Fed behavior should be instantly released and pardoned. 
and reparations should be paid to them for their expenses and lost earnings. This is why there are calls for the complete start over of the DOJ and FBI. They are irreparably corrupt. And on Matt Gates's right on McCarthy, Gates is in touch with the mood of the American people. McCarthy and the Beltway are not. McCarthy has in fact broken the agreement that allowed him to be elected speaker. The kick the can spending by continuing resolution has in fact destroyed any semblance of congressional fiscal responsibility. It cannot be sustained. It cannot be sustained. Beltway Uniparty and establishment media want to redefine everything in personal terms. Heated political disagreements inevitably create personal friction, but Gage reflects the sentiments of millions of Americans. The system is plainly broken. The people are not being heard. The status quo is unsustainable. Gates's actions may break the status quo and could accelerate negative economic effects, but they will not be the cause of those effects. The cause is an irresponsible, out-of-touch ruling class. And on Trump trials, tyranny that threatens all of us, Tucker Carlson and Victor Davis Hanson teamed up on a sober, reflective assessment of the political persecution and prosecution of Donald Trump. Well worth listening to. America under the radical left is entering extremely dangerous territory. Kangaroo courts are transparent mockeries of justice and wisdom and fairness. Current New York City mess involves no one damaged, no one claiming harm of any kind, but government action to require Trump to forfeit assets and rights to conduct business. Everyone knows these cases are baseless as a matter of law, but they're being pursued to destroy a political opponent. They are precursors of the way this government intends to treat all of those it views as political opponents, guilty of wrong think as to any issue they have decided. This is dark, angry tyranny, totalitarian tyranny that must be stopped and reversed. What will Americans do? And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I have a great guest joining me on my Thursday show, Sheena Rodriguez, who loved to hear her congressional testimony, uh, got Eric Swalwell all wrapped up and angry, so you know she was doing good things. Uh, but she is an advocate for children. She's also a strong advocate at the border. She's got an organization fighting to expose the danger and harm, I mean, grotesque harm, to children being trafficked at the border. Sheena Rodriguez, this Thursday, Tune in to America Can We Talk. At this point, Tuesday and Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, check out our website, americacanwetalk.org. Every show, interview, blog post, everything we do is there. And I'd love to have you tune in uh, to our show every day that you can. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you-